So Pastor John often references a little book written by Robert Fulgham entitled Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. First published in 1986, it would seem that Mr. Fulgham takes his insights from chapter four of the book of Ephesians. Fulgham shares these guiding thoughts. Share, play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that are not yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day. Some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out in the world, watch for traffic. Hold hands, stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup? The roots go down, the plant goes up, and nobody really knows how or why, but we're all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and little white mice, and yes, even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die, and so do we. And remember the Dick and Jane books, and the first word you learned, the biggest word of all, look. It would also seem that we could overlay Fulgham's book, this letter from St. Paul and the Ten Commandments on each other and understand what Luther meant when he said that God's law is salutary, that it is good for us, that if we follow these rules, we'll have a pretty good life. It is a kind of vice to virtue thing, though. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we near the end of summer, we are getting to the end of our preaching through the book of Ephesians, and this letter has guided us through Paul's exhortation to a church that is divided for many reasons. And as you have heard, the church at Ephesus had been a stronghold of faith in the early Christian church. Established during Paul's missionary journeys, what was a robust and dominant congregation in the early church eventually vanished. We can only assume that some of the struggles which we have heard plagued that congregation. And Paul is trying to address this, but eventually, Jew and Gentile, maybe young or old, maybe traditional or contemporary, where groups within the church moved to make themselves independent of the congregation as a whole, doing things in their own self-interest, not even considering the impact of those actions or decisions on the whole community, Maybe they quit inviting others or welcoming others, not making space for new people to come in and experience a community of faith in Christ. Maybe they simply disregarded the outreach plan and strategy that Christ himself gives in Matthew 28. Go out, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Maybe they just quit caring for one another. Maybe they just forgot what God had taught, we really don't know. What we do know is that eventually the church at Ephesus disappeared and in that place today that once boasted a very strong confession in Jesus Christ, now less than two-tenths of a percent confess believing in Christ. So when I was in seminary, we had various subjects obviously that we would encounter and one of my professors would occasionally challenge us 
by asking to consider in this subject what was legal necessity and what was evangelical necessity. And I can remember great debates breaking out between us students on different things that we would talk about. I remember one specific debate was about worship itself and the liturgy that we use. And those that tried to defend what should stay and what could go and what were the important parts of it. And it got, it quite, got quite spirited. But I think the challenge in this question uh, really came to mind again this week as I was preparing this sermon. And the underlying basis of this question is, what is it that we need to be intentional about? What is it that Christ is telling us is most important? And I think Paul tries to set up a lesson in a very intentional way by challenging how our own character and attributes, both individually and as a congregation, play out in our lives of faith. He also, I think, pushes to assert that Christian believers themselves can be the very stumbling block to the gospel being heard. That it can be our actions or our words that close the ears of those around us. Paul writes about putting away things and giving up some things, about telling the truth about matters, and about taking up other things. Now, this seems to immediately suggest that we can somehow make ourselves better. That there are parts of our character, again, both as individuals and as a congregation, that can be changed. It also seems to suggest that we're not prone to always acting or speaking or even worshiping a certain way. And then he says, be imitators of God. Whoa, that's a big assertion. Be imitators of God. That is a dangerous assertion as well. But I'll get back to that in a minute. So I often get the question, how do I make myself better? Because deep down in the depths of who we are, we believe that we can make ourselves better, that in our humanness, there is potential, there is work to do, that we cannot just receive God's favor, we have to earn it in some way, or we have to find ourselves acceptable to God because of what we do, of this, that, and the other. That we can become more Christ-like or more like God if we try harder. In fact, the world will demand this of you. And we often listen to this. This is exactly where the devil loves to whisper in your ear and sends you spinning into belly button gazing, looking only at what you can do and what you have done, telling you you need to do more, you haven't done it well enough, all the while diverting your attention from what God is speaking to you. So this last week in the Wednesday Bible study, we were discussing this demand. And one of our senior statesmen here at FLC said, you know, it's pretty easy for me in the golden years of life to understand this. But what does this say to the younger person sitting in the pew? And it was a great question. It led to some good discussion. I think it's a hard question too. Primarily in that Christ tells us what to do we just have a hard time doing it. We generally set out to work more and work harder to get ahead in life. This is what you're told to do, right? And I'm not telling you that hard work is not important. It is. But at what cost? 
Working in such a way may help you live a certain way of life. It may help you take care of your family in a certain way or take better care of your neighbor. But again, at what cost? That you miss watching your children grow and reach milestones in life? That you are absent physically and emotionally from those who love you? Some of you may recall the song Cats in the Cradle by Henry, Harry Chapin. It's a song that captures the essence, I think, of this as a father realizes late in life that his work had taken priority over the life of his son and spending time with his son and now in his golden years, his son has no time for him. This is actually the same for our relationship with God. Being imitators of Christ is hard when you don't know him, what he's speaking to you, when you don't know his promises, when you have not spent time with him. And I know that that day of repentance comes eventually for almost all because I hear it when people talk about regrets and I see it most often when death comes near and priorities shift. I don't ever hear anybody say, I wished I would have worked more. And it is then that God finally, usually, gets a word in. Now you may be asking yourself, well, what do I do then? Well, it would be very easy for me to take this text and stand here today and give you a prescription that is telling you what you need to go and do to actually motivate you which is actually how this text gets preached most of the time. But God today has given you another word. Jesus actually tells you what God is doing. He says, speak my promises, name sin, absolve it in my name. The Apostle Peter even struggles with this, right? We hear this when Peter says, do I speak forgiveness seven times and Christ said what? No, 70 times seven. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of Christ. Now I told you I would come back to this. When we hear be imitators of God, we believe that we can become more Christ-like again if we try harder. But does that sound familiar to you? Well, it should because we hear it very closely from Genesis chapter three, verses four and five. But for you that know that scripture text, who's speaking? It's the serpent. He tells Eve, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Friends and hearers of God's word, being imitators of God does not even begin to suggest that you become God, which is blasphemy, which is original sin, and it is the very part of our human condition that severs our relationship with God. Now, we can take this letter from Paul as a moral exhortation, which is a legal necessity, but thankfully, Jesus Christ always, always works in evangelical necessity. Martin Luther once said, It is characteristic of God's love that it does not find its object, it creates it. Now the point may be subtle, 
But what Luther is saying is that we cannot make ourselves worthy of God as hard as we try. Rather, our relationship with God is solely based on nothing other than God's decision to love us in Jesus Christ. Or as Paul tells us, God's love is rooted in the fact he gave his son for us. Because Jesus did not come into the world of sin to tell you how to be a better sinner. He came into the world to take your sins, to die for them, so that sin, death, and the devil do not have a word over you. Jesus even tells you in his own words from our gospel text today in John chapter 6, and he's actually quoting from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 54, and they shall be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So what is he teaching us? Because that is a sweet and bold promise. Being imitators of Christ means listening to God the Father, learning what he has to say. And you may be asking, what is it that he's teaching? Well, today he's saying, sinner, you that think you can be like me, know my mercy, know my love, Because rather than keep you in toil and in death, doing more and more to try and gain my favor, I sent my son for you to speak into your lives and to tell you that you are forgiven, you are mine, and that is my favor. Because nothing, absolutely nothing separates us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus said in his own words right from the cross, it is finished Judgment is cast. Sin and death has been defeated. Do not worry about this. And then he tells you, write these words on your heart and on your mind, for they are trustworthy and true. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of all things. So hear and know with certainty that you are known, that you are claimed, and that the only, the only necessity is to know that he has done all this, all that was required. The greatest blessing in life and most powerful knowledge we have is that you know the name of Jesus Christ, the Son, and that he brings God's mercy into your life. The body and blood of Jesus Christ is God's promise to you that you and God are good. Do not believe you have to make yourself better. Trust and believe that God has made you good and that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. These are his words. And the ultimate The ultimate promise is that you can never be better than forgiven. Never better than forgiven. And St. Paul reminds us that you who have been baptized into Christ have been made one with him. You have died with him and you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ and you live in eternal life today. Not in some far off time, today. So being imitators of Christ means this. Go. Go. Invite others. Tell them about God's promises. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is our good news for today. Thanks be to God. Amen. We will have a time of silence for reflection followed by our hymn of the day. Lord, speak to us that we may speak. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
And now with the whole church, let us confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. With the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, let us pray for the church, for those in need, and all of God's creation. Oh God, we pray for all the baptized and especially for the saints here at First Lutheran Church, that our ears would be opened by the Holy Spirit to the gospel of peace and salvation, and that our lips would boldly confess you as the Christ, the one who has come into the world not to save yourself, but to save us. We give you thanks that this weekend through your word and water, you continue to shower your children in your promises as we will witness today the baptism of Raymond Foucault, claimed by your promise and made a brother in Christ. May he and all baptized always know and trust in this gift given in your son. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Oh God, we pray for our nation and for your people, those that are at odds with, with each other in many ways. Raise up good and faithful leaders to work hard to tear down opinions, attitudes, and postures that divide us and to work for the greater good of all people. God, bless our nation with your hope and your peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for all in authority by whose service you provide for our protection and order, including parents and families, government, our police and firefighters, our military, our teachers and school administrators, all that you would grant strength and endurance to carry out their duties for the good of those entrusted to their care. We pray especially for the men and women that fight wildland fires across our nation. Keep them safe as they put themselves in harm's way for the protection of people and property. And for those that have sustained loss or injury, grant restoration and healing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Oh God, we pray for the sick, the frail, and the dying. Today we pray especially for those that have asked for our prayers, including Jim Parks, Hayden Glisson, Janice Cost, Harper Skyeski, Pam Sonicson, and all those we name in our hearts. Focus them upon Christ Jesus. Restore them according to your will. You are our great physician working through doctors and nurses, medical staffs, therapists, and all who tend to the needs of brothers and sisters that you, O oh God, would bless them as they care for the needs of others. We also give you thanks for the healthy birth and blessing of a baby boy born to parents Lindsay and Ryan O'Toole. We pray also for an extra measure of your grace and peace to those who suffer today due to the death of a loved one, for the family and friends who mourn the death of Marion Winkler, and for Joan and Mark Buttonhoff and all who mourn the death of Jean Buttonhoff. May those who mourn find comfort in the promises secured in the promises of Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, gracious God, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
Let us share the peace of Christ with one another this morning. You may be seated. It is in the joy and peace given to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Please consider making your gifts to the ministries of First Lutheran Church. Offerings, again, may be given online through our Church Center app by mail, or you may place it in the offering plate as you leave today. And again, always thank you for your generosity to First Lutheran Church. Please stand as you're able. Let us pray. God of abundance, all that we have is yours. Receive these gifts for the sake of the one who gave himself for us. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine upon you with grace and with mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's sending hymn is Remember and Rejoice. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank you for joining us for this worship broadcast from First Lutheran Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Media ministry at First Lutheran relies on the generosity of sponsors. You can donate or learn about sponsoring a broadcast at flcsf.org give or by calling 605-336-3734. Until next time, may the love of God and the peace of Jesus Christ be with you.